thank you everyone for being here this evening today we have with us certified cybersecurity expert with over 10 years of experience in infosec industry that is mr shailendra singh so over to you shailendra all right thanks mithilesh so um today's topic is how to ensure success in an external audit we will follow the same workshop methodology that we have been following for uh, so many weeks which is about 40 to 50 minutes we'll allocate for the workshop content itself so that i can go ahead and explain whatever it is that i want to explain on the topic that we have at hand and then i'll uh, take up questions and answers uh, after that but overall we will attempt to keep it limited to uh, one hour total time these are the you know purposes of the workshop in the sense that these are the aspects that i want people to pick from me today um they are first is what is an external audit now i would like to clarify here that when we are talking of audits there are various different kinds of audits but then um, i being from the infosec domain and numetric itself is is an organization that provides uh, cyber security services clearly our focus on the external audits will be that subset of audits which have got to do with either compliance audits or security audits now we i have spoken about these aspects in detail in past workshops so if let's say you do not have enough context as to what exactly are compliance audits and security audits then in that case i believe you should uh, view those past workshops um the second aspect that i want to cover is even within external audits there are different types of audits and we'll be getting into the details of them that you know what what are these various types and how to approach them what are the variations that you see from one audit to the next um the other aspect that i want to cover is security oriented audits which are not technically considered external audits because external audits um as their principle goes is all about certification like at the end result of an external audit usually is some kind of a certification or a report that you obtain um but then in security oriented audits it is usually not the case there is definitely an end goal but i would like to get into the specifics of that because there although there are similarities between external audits and security oriented audits and the objectives are similar the outcomes are different then the next thing that i want to cover is the core aspect of this workshop which is um how do you prepare for ensuring success in an external audit and there are four aspects related to that one is how do you prepare a roadmap to ensure that you are you are successful eventually leading up to the outcome that you are looking for um what are the pre audit preparations that you have got to do now i would like to keep, you know highlight here that the roadmap itself is the bulk of the activity but then pre audit is something that you are tying up loose ends and and uh, checking you know doing last minute checks to ensure that nothing has been missed out so this is like a burst of activity that happened just before the audit maybe in the weeks preceding the actual external audit then we'll go get into the details of how exactly audit management should be done meaning i'm talking the actual audit itself where you are facing the auditors and then we will get into the details of what are the post audit activities what are the closures that are required almost all of the external audits have got some element of aspects that you need to take care of after the audit is complete and the auditors have left but then you continue engaging with them because there are some additional aspects that need to be covered up this is usually something that is driven by the auditors themselves maybe some of the expectations that additional expectations that they may have um and we'll be covering those aspects in the post audit closure when you look at external audits and uh, when we get into the specifics of what is so different about an external audit in comparison to the various kind of security audits that you can undergo these are the main characteristics that you will observe which is one is that it is always conducted by a third party it is not something that you conduct internally so any audit that you conduct internally clearly the name itself implies internal audit versus external audit uh, so this is the primary defining characteristic um having said that the principles that are followed in the audit are something similar uh, uh, with the internal audits that you would be conducting not only that you will also notice a similarity between the external audits that are conducted by the different kinds of third parties now when we talk of external audit predominantly we are focusing on certification audits where the end goal is that you are 
trying to achieve some kind of an infosec certification for your organization in which case a certifying body will be the one conducting the audit these are uh, agencies or organizations that have been op, uh, appointed and certified by the parent body so to give you any a specific example let's say that you want to go for iso 27001 certification audit um it is not that the iso organization itself will be auditing you and 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 providing you that certification what will end up happening is that iso organization will certify uh, national agencies these national agencies in turn will certify uh, organizations who will be then called as certifying bodies so when it comes to external audits focused on certification you will typically be interacting with these organizations they are uh, in business for profit but the fact is that they are driven by their protocols and their mandates that they have got to keep fulfilling and that is what uh, ensures that they continue to remain qualified as a certifying body the other two types of third parties that uh, will uh, lead to interaction with you in terms of an external audit would be clients or client appointed, appointed auditors now here the purpose may be different in the sense that maybe the clients want to evaluate your security or their client appointed auditors meaning these are auditing firms who are typically not certifying bodies but they are in the business of auditing organizations they have the expertise uh, that is required to conduct these kind of audits so either way either clients may conduct these audits themselves or they may appoint an auditor and those auditors will be conducting the audit again these are also what you could call as external audit but then typically at least within numetric we end up calling these as client audits because there are fundamental differences in terms of objectives and and outcomes that uh, exist between a certifying body conducting an audit on you versus a client or a client appointed auditor conducting the audit but then as i said external audit is any audit that is conducted by a third party so you can consider client audits as external audits as well and then finally regulatory bodies now every organization uh, works in a certain business environment for which there are automatically some regulations that are applicable to the organization it may so happen that these regulatory bodies may conduct an audit on you it is a rare occurrence but then it does happen specifically when it comes to fintechs um to obtain license for certain specific kind of a business model that you may have you may be required to obtain that license say for example from rbi in which case then you may be uh, subjected to an external audit now again the methodology may be different uh, the audit may not even be conducted in person uh, it may be conducted remotely it may be just a matter of submitting the relevant documentation either way it it can still be considered external audit but as far as this workshop goes the entire focus of external audits per se will be on the certifying body audit where your end objective is going to be obtaining a certification one of the key things that matter when it comes to different types of external audits is the scope how much of your organization your processes your people your systems your it all of these aspects how much will they be audited is dependent on the scope and that scope is defined based on the foundation the basis on which the external audit is being conducted and we have i've already spoken about these various kinds of audits so let us get into the details of each one of them the most common external audit is a compliance audit and i have just given two examples here we will be actually looking at uh, more examples later on but then these are these are by far the most common that uh, i have come across in terms of compliance audits in the field of security which is one is iso 27001 which is an information security standard and organizations that are not fintech but gather a lot of pii or are data organizations these usually seek out iso 27001 um whereas any organization that deals with card holder information will typically seek out PCIDSS. We will look into more different kind of audits uh, later on in this workshop. The second kind of external audit is the security audit, which is what I mentioned earlier is the second type, which is the client audit or uh, the client appointed auditor audit. Now here, you're not obtaining a certification. What you are rather trying to do is to 
provide sufficient assurance to your client so that maybe uh, they want to provide you some kind of a business and for that they are conducting their due diligence uh, exercise um and because of this reason the end end result of this particular audit will not be that they will certify you in any way but then they will give you their business and fundamentally there is not much of difference between a compliance audit which is certification oriented versus security audit which is business oriented because the foundation of both of them is is usually the same i've commonly seen a combination of foundation being used for security audits most common is that the audit will represent pretty much the same audit that you undergo when you undergo an iso 27001 audit effectively meaning to say a standards based audit now the scope may be varied a little because different organization may have a different focus so while you may recognize that the foundation is iso 27001 you may also see elements of different standards being mixed in more frequently i am seeing a change happening where um, the foundation itself is kind of custom built in the sense that only those aspects are covered in the audit that matter to the client the client may not be interested for example in the aspects that are covered by iso 27001 which they feel are not relevant to them the most common example being let's say you are a cloud based saas organization and your entire uh, data storage data transmission data processing everything is happening in a in a vpc uh, environment which means that there is no data existing in your office environment there is no point in conducting physical security audit because any reasonably reasonably good vpc hosting provider that you choose they will have uh, all of the necessary infosec certifications which means that the physical security aspects are already taken care of by them your responses to anything related to physical security will be that our hosting provider is compliant with them and here are their certificates and that will be satisfactory for your clients your clients rather will probably focus more on uh, the aspects that are your responsibility because whenever you choose a vpc hosting provider no matter who it is whether it is aws or gcp or azure or any other you will usually be subjected to what is called as a shared responsibility matrix and usually in this matrix the infrastructure aspect and the security of in the of the infrastructure will be the responsibility of the hosting provider but the processes the technology the security involved in your specific vpc environment will be completely your responsibility so your client may build a custom uh, audit questionnaire which if reflects this and only covers those aspects they will probably not cover up the uh, physical security aspects right so these are the fundamental differences that you will see between a compliance audit and a security audit then there are the regulatory audit as i mentioned already that there are two primary reasons one could be license oriented that if your organization needs to be given a license before the license is granted you may be subjected to some kind of an audit by the relevant regulatory body um alternately it also happens frequently where once the license is granted it is not perpetual it is not forever to maintain your license you are required to keep on undergoing compliance audits on a regular cycle typically once every year annually and uh, the regulatory body may conduct a compliance oriented audit every so often so those are another kind of external audit and then i would like to mention that although the scope of this workshop is information security audits there are different kind of external audits as well which organizations are frequently subjected to the most common being financial risk audits which is something that is mandate of the ministry of corporate affairs or quality audits in, in case like let's say you're a manufacturing firm or a firm which is also in the business of manufacturing physical products or having a physical inventory that is actually the part of the business then in that case you may be subjected to quality audits security oriented external audits um as i said that these are the standards or the foundations on which you are expected to be undergoing an audit and here what ends up happening is that more frequently it will be your choice that what exactly is the kind of certification that you are seeking your reasons could be many maybe it is something that you feel should be part of the strategic direction of your organization or um it is something that you feel will become uh, kind of a um, a success factor or a hygiene factor from a sales point of view it could also be that your clients 
are not willing to give you business unless and until you obtain these uh, security certifications. And these are the most common ones that you will encounter. In, in fact, as far as I can think, there are none other than these. There are regulatory aspects and, and foundations that are there. So for example, um, maybe your client expects that you be compliant with EU GDPR or HIPAA or any relevant law. Those regulations also expect fairly the same things that are expected by these certifications. The only difference is that uh, there is no concept of external audits for regulations. You will be required to either conduct a self-audit or you may be required to appoint someone who's in this field. So for example, like an organization like Numetric and uh, this organization will go through all of your processes use, using the same principles that are followed in an external audit. But then even then, you will not be ob obtaining any kind of a certification because no agency or organization will ever certify you on a regulation. That is not how it works. So when it comes to external audits and when it comes to certifications in the field of security, these are the ones that you are expected to choose from. And I, I would like to highlight here the word choice in the sense that every organization has got the choice not to go for the certification. At the end of the day, you have to figure out that is this something that is valuable to me? Is this something that I cannot carry on my business unless and until I obtain these certifications? Does this certification significantly improve my future prospects as an organization? Unless and until the responses to these kind of questions are positive, probably you should not be choosing these. But increasingly what is happening is that other than the fact that you may yourself want to obtain these certifications because they are beneficial in the so many ways that I told you in, in terms of the strategic direction, in terms of uh, the value that they bring to your organization, in terms of the additional sales that they may uh, cause, or the future of the business is, is more assured if you hold these certifications, meaning you get a competitive edge over your competitors. Um, I'm seeing that clients are kind of mandating these certifications now because the increasing threat of supply chain attacks has um, started making the enterprise clients, and typically they will be your clients. Uh, it has it started making them more uh, concerned about whether your level of security is good enough or not. And there is no better way than such a well-vetted and well-established method of, of security assurance than these standards. So having said that, these are the six main types and you can actually look up on these and read up on them. And there are like, you know, tons of articles on the internet where you, you know, you can get clarification on this. So I'll just read them out. First and foremost is always ISO 27001. Now, the key important thing about the next three uh, three of them, which is ISO 27701, which is for privacy management, ISO 27017, which is for cloud security, and 27018, which is for cloud privacy. The important thing to remember is that all the 27,000 series of uh, ISO certifications, they are called as add-on certification. They are not independent certification. You are required to be first ISO 27001 certified because that forms the, the fundamental basis of all of these add-on certifications. So if you believe that or if you think that ISO 27701 privacy management certification is the one that I will go for because I'm more concerned about PII or data privacy, you will be required to first of all obtain ISO 27001 certification. Now, keeping aside the 27000 series, the two other major ones are PCI DSS, clearly if you are a FinTech that either stores or transmits or processes card data, which could be credit cards, debit cards, even pseudo currencies like wallets are kind of included in scope for such things. Wherever currency is involved in some way or financial data is involved in some way, you should assume that PCI DSS applies to you. One key thing to note is that PCI DSS is not uh, an outcome of a international regulatory body but rather it is a mandate by a consortium of uh, the leading card manufacturers which is mastercard visa and and so on and so forth so these organizations came together and they decided that okay the future of card security needs to be improved and this is something that happened like more than a decade back and they came up with this idea that we need to uh, create some some a good standard which is stringent enough 
that we do not face uh, security breaches in the field of uh, finance because there the impact is much more severe, the reputation loss and, and the overall damage that is caused by any kind of a security breach in a financial organization is much more severe. And because of that reason, PCI-DSS is an extremely stringent standard. It is very demanding. It, it is not easy to clear. Uh, I thought that you know this is something that I should clarify. A parallel uh, certification, not certification per se, but then rather more of a, a report uh, is SOC 2. Uh, SOC 2 is primarily US focused in the sense that while the rest of the world evolved towards uh, and migrated towards ISO series of certifications or PCIDSS as the case may be, um, in the case of uh, US, because there was already a pre-established mechanism of conducting audits on organizations, financial audits on organizations. What was done is that the scope of um, those audits was extended and then later carved out to focus on the security and privacy aspects. And that is what ended up becoming SOC. Now, you may be curious what is SOC 2. It is not that with the version 2, it is rather a part 2. So SOC is split up into SOC 1 and SOC 2. SOC 1 is more elementary, more fundamental, easier to clear, but it, it does not uh, have a lot of scope, whereas SOC 2 is, is much more um, higher in terms of scope. There, there is a SOC 3 as well. And within SOC 2, there is a type 1 and type 2. Typically, whenever I have uh, interacted with organizations, I usually recommend that you should go for SOC 2 and SOC 2 type 2 kind of an audit. Uh, just keep in mind that it is something that is US focused. So in case, let's say your organization is, is either already doing so or targeting US region in terms of uh, business, then you are highly likely to be asked for uh, a SOC 2 report. Now keep this in mind that unlike other certifications where you end up resulting uh, in obtaining a certificate which says that okay you have your organization is certified in so and so standard the end outcome of SOC 2 is you receive a report and this report is again based on the uh, pretty much the same principles as uh, the other info information security standards but then it is the report that is of value it is something that is you'll be sharing with your clients and um, the fact of the matter is that all the other certification or external audits also always return you know, re, result into a report except that they come with a certificate along with that report and the certificate is that what you what you use this is something that does not happen in case of SOC 2 in case of SOC 2 it is the report itself that you receive because it is considered that unless or until the detailed report is shared with your stakeholders just having the certificate is not going to be um, clarifying enough to them as to to what extent are you compliant and what are the flaws or what are the gaps that still exist in your system because it is entirely possible that you may obtain a certificate because you have cleared it to the satisfaction of the auditor but then you're not 100% compliant it is something that happens all the time uh, SOC 2 kind of attempts to eliminate that aspect a roadmap that Numetric as an organization you know when we are providing our services uh, to organizations where we are helping them obtain uh, some kind of an infosec certification. This is a roadmap we use now clearly It is representative in nature in the sense that it is customized heavily Depending on multiple factors like what is the scope? What exactly? Uh, is the organization doing how much data is saved? What is the volume of data transfers that are happening? What is the current maturity level of of security in the organization or compliance in the organization? Um, does the organization have any kind of a financial data? What are the timelines we are looking at? What is the root cause or, or mandate why the organization is going for the certification? There are tons of factors that we evaluate based on which we then customize the roadmap. And then for each different type of certification that you saw earlier, which is either ISO based or PCI or SOC, we create a different roadmap because different uh, certifications require different roadmaps right so the one representative roadmap is what we could call as the average roadmap as in you know if let's say the responses to all of the questions that i are pointed out earlier what we ask our prospective clients based on those answers let's say that we believe that it is going to be a most average kind of a certification objective in which case we are likely to prepare a roadmap like this 
and keep it in mind that this is just for ISO 27001. For PCI, the roadmap is significantly different. For SOC 2, it is uh, different as well. And in the roadmap, there are lot many more um, uh, milestones and activities and tasks that we take up. There, you know, like if you get into the details of tracking, then each of these activities have got several uh, sub activities and tasks that we have got to carry out. There is a much more extensive, like hundreds of lines of uh, rows of tracking items, what we call as a certification plan. Again, customized for ISO 27001 or PCI DSS or SOC 2 or even just ISO 27001 compliance. Maybe the end goal is not to really obtain a certificate, but just to become compliant with that standard. So depending on that, a much larger certification plan is, is prepared. But then at a high level, this is how it looks like. And in this roadmap, it is very important that you take care of these important milestones. First, you have to con conduct an initiation meeting. And this initiation meeting must be with the senior management uh, uh, along with those people who will actually be helping you on ground uh, in implementing the standard. And these are people from the functional department. So it is not something that is only their infosec department. but the subject matter experts from each of the functions because if you do not get the buy-in of the senior management and if you do not adequately demonstrate it to the subject matter experts that this is a senior management man mandate which means that you will not be able to slack off and uh, take this casually your project is likely to get extended maybe even fail so initiation meeting is extremely important where you set up the context you explain what are the overall objectives of this entire roadmap? Other than that, you also ensure that you schedule and conduct regular InfoSec progress review meetings. Typically speaking, these meetings, even if you catch up for, let's say, half an hour a week, usually it is going to be enough because all that you are reviewing is what are the progresses made, what are the things that we, you are facing problems with, and what are the solutions for these problems. Important aspect is that senior management should ideally be involved in the progress review meeting because they are the ones usually who will be clearing up these uh, these hurdles and roadblocks and challenges that you are facing. The third aspect that is important is that if you do not understand the product or the process of your organization, two things will go wrong uh, significantly. One, you will end up creating uh, an information security management system, your ISMS, um, the policies, the procedure, the processes, the plans, some of them uh, mandated by, let's say, ISO 27001 standard or whatever standard that you're uh, after, you will end up creating an ISMS that is inaccurate, inapplicable, and probably not implementable because you will end, end up either missing out important aspects that apply to the organization or you will end up including aspects that are unnecessary to be included in the ISMS. And remember that whatever ISMS that you define is something that ultimately is expected to be implemented because when the external audit happens, there will be a comparison made between what have you defined in your ISMS versus what have you really implemented. And you'll have to demonstrate and, and show evidence that you have actually implemented this. So product and process training is something that you should spend a lot of time. Given the fact that you, uh, I assume you belong to the security function, uh, whether internal to the organization or external, it does not matter. But the fact is that you are a security expert. You're not an expert on the products and processes. You can only know what aspects to apply and what not to apply if you understand the context. And the context is, is explained to you by the subject matter experts. It could be someone from the tech team, maybe someone from the HR team. It does not matter. You will have to undergo product and process training. Then it leads to the ISMS documentation. As I said, your ISMS documentation should be an outcome of uh, your, your own knowledge base in terms of security domain, the certification itself, and the product and process training that you have undergone. Combining these two together, you end up creating an ISMS documentation. Following that, you should be conducting a gap assessment. Uh, the gap questionnaire should be dependent on the ISO 27001 standard itself. Uh, in this particular case, if let's say you are going with PCI DSS, then your gap questionnaire should be based on PCI DSS. Uh, similarly, whatever standard that you are choosing. After you conduct the gap assessment, you will end up finding out that where are the things where you need to pay attention, where are the bigger gaps, the, the smaller gaps, and then you can probably create an action register where you prioritize, you 
uh, indicate to people that you know what is the order in which they are supposed to close these gaps you specify in the roadmap in your improvement and uh, and remediation phase or the implementation phase that you know this is the timeline you're looking at and these are the things that you've got to close and then you you know in the in your progress review meetings you regularly touch upon with them to figure out that where do they really stand in parallel as you're you're taking care of all of these activities given the fact that your infosec education program which is critical to preventing a lot of uh, issues in terms of security breaches you know your people have to be educated to prevent uh, let's say social engineering attacks from succeeding in the organization this is something that the security team can take take upon itself because infosec education program is an organization wide activity that is driven and and executed by the security team so uh, what we end up doing when we are implementing is that there is implementation going on and simultaneously there is infosec education program that is going on uh, you can choose what is the method that you choose if if let's say you are the same set of people who's also conducting both which is impl implementation improvement and, and remediation and also you have got to conduct infosec education program maybe it may not be practically feasible to to carry them out simultaneously in which case then you can uh, conduct them one after the other the how the roadmap uh, is defined at the very beginning is entirely dependent on you once you have reached the end of your implementation and you have conducted a, a reassessment on the gaps that existed earlier and you have got adequate level of uh, trust and belief that okay now the organization is significantly ready for an external audit is when you conduct your internal audit and uh, as per the standard goes iso 27001 and pcadss both mandate a regular internal audits if you are taking up certification for your organization for the very first time are fairly confident that uh, you you are ready for uh, the external audit and if you are let's say going for iso 27001 or pcidss then in that case you uh, are required to be conducting an internal audit and internal audit methodology is expected to be identical to the external audit methodology and the reason for this mandate is because of the fact that uh, it is more of a combination of multiple things it is a, it is more like a trial run for your external audit so you yourself kind of undergo that process and you become comfortable with the idea your audit is undergo that process and they become comfortable with the idea so there are a whole lot of aspects that are involved internal audit and that is why internal audit is something that is mandated following the internal audit it is expected that by the time the external audit begins you are required to even remediate your findings in the internal audit so hopefully you do not find too many gaps and they are remediated uh, by the time the external audit happens you will end up engaging with the external uh, the, the certifying body much in advance to the actual external audit dates there will be a proposal that you will receive you will have to accept the proposal you will have to accept all of their mandates and only when all of these things are are decided and agreed is when the external audit dates will be provided to you when uh, your dates are frozen the probability or the possibility that your external audit dates can be changed reduces significantly because of the way the certifying bodies function is that they freeze the calendar of the appointed auditor there are specific uh, certified auditors belonging to these external audit agencies or the certifying bodies and once their calendars are frozen it becomes very difficult to uh, change them given that in my opinion you should be fairly confident that you are completely ready for the external audit and you will be able to judge that yourself uh why when you conduct the gap assessment or when you conduct the external audit and these are the four main things that you should end up doing one you should be coaching the senior management see your senior management is going to be made up of all of the cxos and uh, they will be led by the ceo clearly but then none of them are from the security domain and you should not have an implied expectation or belief uh, or even an idea that they know how to face an external audit maybe they have not had experience maybe they have not focused on this aspect but having said that in my entire experience the senior management staff have always been very perceptive very quick to pick up things in the coaching session which is why i use the word coaching because all that you have got to tell them is how to present yourself how to speak uh, the security language this is something that they may not know the business aspect they will most likely be able to uh, speak comfortably their own function that they had 
they'll be very comfortable so you do not need to provide any kind of coaching and you should also be telling thing, them things what they should not be speaking because uh, there is a thing such as oversharing when it comes to audits oversharing leads to all, all sorts of problems that maybe it will lead to additional difficult questions maybe it will extend the time of the audit maybe it will result in uh, the auditor catching something and not liking so oversharing is something that you should probably discourage in your senior management team but then too much amount of coaching is not really required for the senior management uh, in my experience 10 15 20 minutes of talking to the senior management and they will be fully comfortable they know they will know that okay how to be present in the audit the more time you should be spending is on training the auditee team the auditee team is the one that will be spending a lot of time with your auditors so they will need to know a whole lot of things how to speak how to be on time how to be disciplined how to take up challenge questions from the auditors auditors by definition they are auditing you they are questioning you they are testing you they may end up uh, putting you in a situation where you do not like maybe you feel insulted maybe you feel like you know they are pointing out flaws or mistakes in you it is it is by design the nature of audits you need to train your audit team how to handle these various situ various situations various aspects their behaviors uh, in addition to also training them how to undergo their own audit giving them an idea that what to expect what not to expect what to say what not to say so you should be spending a lot of time with your audit team and remember that by design auditors not only expect that the auditees will be from the functional domains because clearly you being from the security team you will not even know the details of the various functions that are being audited at best you will know about the infosec function but you will not know beyond that so they will expect the auditors will expect that the audit team is responding uh, in addition to that they expect them the audit team to be taking the lead not that you are there part of the audit and you are along with the audit and and throughout the way half of the sentences are being completed by you ideally you should avoid that because it does not really build confidence in the auditors that infosec or security or compliance is really well implemented in the organization if if you have to pitch in all of the time at the time of the audit then probably your preparation your implementation has not been of that high quality right so this is something that ideally you know you prepare for much in advance and hopefully during the audit all that you have got to do is just sit and monitor and make notes right so train the audit team next is review the documentation and records specifically the first time around when you undergo an audit there will be tons of documentation that will be expected from you in terms of your ismfs uh, the records that are created out of the isms implementation the records that are created out of your action register closures the records that are created out of the process and uh, and and plan implementations in the organization uh, the auditors will go through all of these and fortunately in our uh, current environment no, like even pre covid this was the case that a majority of the documentation would be digital uh, information security by de design is usually applicable to organizations that are uh, significantly more digital uh, because of that almost everything happens on the computer and then finally compare your status against the standard kind of a quick gap assessment you will have conducted this gap assessment months back probably you should go back to that and check check again that what were the aspects that you you mark yourself uh, as a, you know in terms of being inadequate and how do you measure up now and once you do that uh, i think you will be fairly confident that whether you are really ready for the audit or not every audit will be um a few days long there is in fact an auditing standard which mandates uh, how many days and how many hours of time can be spent on different kinds of audits there is a standard for that as well and uh, whenever an external audit is conducted specifically from iso point of view it is mandatory for the certifying body auditors to adhere to the auditing standard and uh, for this reason the the length duration of the uh, audit external audit is is limited which results in almost always a random sampling audit being conducted when it comes to iso standard um this is not the case for pci uh, or soc in which case it, it is like a 100% audit where everything that is there to be checked is is uh, checked and that is because of the way the, those standards have evolved right but having said that the fundamental principles of how you undergo the audit remain the same and these are the four most important things that i have noticed one 
ensure that your yourself your team infosec team and the audit team they are disciplined discipline is about a whole lot of aspects being on time being ready with everything uh, speaking politely not arguing and uh, definitely not being absent without reason or prior information right so these are the aspects as long as you your team infosec team and the audit team take care of uh, the auditor will remain happy and a happy auditor is going to be uh, less demanding on you an angry auditor will be a dangerous auditor anyone who's upset with the casual attitude that is displayed towards them is not going to be soft on you right so it does have a significant impact on how uh, your entire audit experience goes including what happens like what is the end outcome frequently i have seen that auditors will get extremely angry and yet they will go ahead and certify because they are objectively driven and uh, they are following their protocols meaning just because you did not do things in a disciplined manner that does not mean that your organization does not deserve to be certified but then it does leave a bad experience with them and frequently it so happens that once an auditor is appointed by a certifying body the same auditor will come back the next year as well because they are the ones who have context and once you form a first impression most likely that impression will continue so it is very difficult to change uh first impressions that you have created the best way is is be disciplined for everyone involved in the audit process next is prompt communication things always go wrong things do not always go according to plan whatever happens ensure that you are in constant touch with your auditor before even the audit begins and you will be told who's your auditor and their communication details will be shared with you weeks in advance uh ensure that you are using that knowledge and not seeing or speaking to your auditor on the day of the audit itself interact with them in advance interact with them frequently during the audit interact with them during the breaks that you are taken between two uh, audits as in audits for one function and the next there usually be a gap communicate in that at the end of it communication is all about interaction with humans and auditors are humans as well right ensure that your your communication is prompt and pleasant the next part is you will receive an audit plan provided by the auditor you will have some opportunity to modify the plan request for modification maybe because maybe the day you know the time slot when it begins is too early for your organization or maybe the dates uh, that are given maybe they are not fitting you the order of audits the functions functions in which uh, they are ordered may be not suitable for you maybe the audits are not available you can always request for a modification of the plan so once the plan is frozen ensure that you do not try to modify it after that because then it is upsetting it kind of uh, makes the audit experience unpleasurable for the auditor so try to stick to it what this means is that now that you agree to the plan ensure that uh, your audits are now sticking to the plan itself so that will involve some kind of an operational work in terms of your you know your security team ensuring that while one audit is going on the rest of the audits are kept aware that okay this is what is in progress you are up next and this is the projected time when the audit will complete and and if you are ready at that point in time then it will be good as much as possible i have observed that external auditors will try to stick to the plan that they have uh, sent to you but frequently it happens that they require more time for auditing a particular function because there is so much of more that they figure out in the audit itself that requires additional level of questioning or they may be easily satisfied with whatever is being shown by the audits in which case they may want to wind up that particular function earlier if either of these two situations happen you have already indicated to your audits that um we this is the plan going to be this is the time slot when you are expected to be ready and they will be mentally prepared for that because that is what you have trained them on and then suddenly um the auditor is expecting that okay there is an extension in the previous audit or there is a uh, the the next audit can be conducted earlier your audits themselves will be kind of uh, inconvenienced if you keep on constantly tracking them maybe through some kind of a group that you have set up in an instant messenger everyone Uh, every organization now uses those kind of systems so it, it should be easily possible this will delight the auditor and this delight results in two things one your audit keeps on getting better and better because the auditors keep on becoming less and less demanding the, the fact that 
you are able to manage your audit so well operationally in itself is an indication that how well you must have done for your core function which is security right i mean if you do one thing well it is highly likely that you will do another thing well if you are doing something that that is not your primary domain which is operations operational management of the audit but you are doing it well it's logical to assume that probably your security function is doing even better right this is not really out of the ordinary it happens all the time that a poorly managed external audit is also indicative of of a poorly implemented security whereas the converse also is kind of true a well managed external audit is indicative of a well implemented security function so they go hand in hand and one other aspect that i have seen auditors value and in fact are extremely um, it is an extremely important aspect for your future uh security and compliance is note taking see what happens is when you are undergoing an external audit the auditors come with a lot of experience come with a no- lot of knowledge they may not have knowledge of your specific organization but then they come with wide extensive experience and they conduct audits day in day out so they get exposed to various kinds of organizations which means they come with a wealth of knowledge and and experience uh maybe from your domain or maybe from other domains that may be beneficial to you and in the process of conducting audits they will make these random observations uh, make these comments you should ideally be noting them down some of these comments will become your gaps in the assessment report that you will receive later on this will be the gap this will be the formal assessment report that you receive but the usual thing i observed is that for every one thing that is pointed out as a gap or as a finding uh in your assessment report you'll probably have 10 to 20 observations made by the auditors which are extremely valuable to you so my opinion is that you should keep on taking notes and then once you have made these notes add these notes in your action register for the next year because it will really help you improve your security in the direction that you should be heading given the fact that it is coming from someone who's from uh that domain having extensive experience very wide wealth of knowledge naturally it makes logical sense that no matter how educated you are in your own domain it would probably make more sense to just follow that right so take um, take up this activity of note taking seriously it also indicates one more thing to your auditor which is that you are serious about the audit if you just sit there and hear it out and uh, do nothing about the comments that are being made the impression that it gives to your certifying body auditor is that you are probably not serious about this audit you are just doing it for the sake of the certificate which is actually in my opinion true because if you are really serious about security and compliance is just something that you are um, benefiting from the security that you implemented that means that you should be taking these notes and actually implementing them later the fact that they are not going to be Uh, a reason for you not getting the certificate kind of indicates that you are not really interested in security or interested in the certificate and this is something that i have seen upsets auditors because auditors are yes they are going to give you a certificate but truly speaking their objective is to see you become a secure organization so their reputation is at stake as well tomorrow if let's say that you are iso 27001 certified and yet you face a security breach because of poor security it may become public knowledge that which is the certifying body that has certified you and their own reputation may be affected so which is why uh, the expectation inherent expectation of your of the auditors is that you are not undergoing the audit for the certificate you are undergoing that audit to evaluate your security the certificate is a by product and this is proven extensively if you take notes but remember this that it may differ from uh, based on the specific standard based on the specific requirements of the standard that you have chosen but they kind of follow similar principles i will uh, just you know touch upon this topic as to what exactly happens in the three prominent ones that you are likely to take up for your organization uh, one is iso 27001 where it is mandatory to submit a corrective action plan which is uh, acronymed as cap uh, and unless until you submit this you will not be getting your certificate the auditor has to receive this corrective action plan on their findings and no matter how well you have implemented security and com- and uh, how well you are compliant you will always have gaps because it is practically impossible to be compliant with everything that the standard expects so some findings will always be there 
the expectation of the auditor and the standard is that you submit this corrective action plan uh, the auditor accepts them uh, the corrective action plan will indicate that what exactly um, are you going to do about the findings by what time you are going to do it who's going to do it which function it belongs to what is the root cause there is a pre prescribed format for this um, you fill it up you send it to the auditor the auditor will accept it if they, if they want they will ask you for some kind of changes to be done to it but if they accept it then they will go ahead and sign you off and then your certifying body's operations team once they receive this approval from the from the auditor then you will end up receiving your certificate something similar is done for soc2 except that it is called exception testing exception testing happens when uh, the specific um, cpa and cpas are the ones who are authorized to uh, sign off your soc report they may observe that there are things that they are not satisfied with and uh, they they include these in exceptions and these exceptions you are required to um then close they are kind of similar to gaps and then you have to create those records and those records when they are created you submit these records and that is what that process is called a exceptions testing uh and once this is complete is when you will be you know your soc2 report will be signed off and a formal report will be received by you similarly is the case in pcidss happens all the time where pcidss being the most stringent and and there is no such thing as a random sampling when it comes to pcidss in pcidss every single requirement must be met unless that requirement is not applicable to you which is a entirely different case meaning if something applies to you then you are required to implement it unlike iso where random sampling audit is done pcidss is a 100% audit so everything that applies to you, you are required to submit now frequently it will happen that you may meet 90 95% 99% of the requirement but there is that small bit that uh, you're not compliant with and additional documentation is required the auditor will then leave but then they will give you some time and in that time you are supposed to submit this documentation and once they receive it is when the final uh, assessment will be done and that is when you will receive the attestation of compliance and the report on compliance right so this is what usually happens in post audit closure for these three other standards follow pretty much the same concepts so they, they do not differ much. what we learned is that what is an external audit an external audit the main characteristic of an external audit is that it is, it is conducted by a third party you cannot conduct an external audit internally actually the next we covered is what are the different types of audits i mentioned that typically external audits are all about certification uh, and uh, there are other kind of external audits which may be client driven client appointed auditors or maybe they may be regulatory bodies uh, a subset of external audits is security oriented or certification oriented audits where you are only uh, intending to obtain an infosec certification we also looked at the various infosec certifications which is 27001 27701 uh, 27017 and 27018 then we have pci dss and then we had soc uh, next we covered the aspects that help you ensure success in an external audit and there are four major aspects that you need to take care of first you need to define the roadmap how from the beginning till the very end what are the various activities what are the various milestones what are the uh, timelines effectively speaking you end up preparing a gantt chart for ensuring that you know the entire project management for the implementation and the various other milestones that you are supposed to achieve until you get certified all of those aspects are covered in a roadmap. You then implement the, road, the roadmap. The roadmap is the bulk of your activity extending several months, uh, which then leads to pre-audit preparation. This is that burst of activity where you are tying up your loose ends. You are conducting quick checks. You are conducting uh, uh, coaching sessions for your senior management. You are training your auditing uh, audit team and getting all of them ready for the audit itself which then leads to the actual audit where the external audits are now conducting the audit uh, maybe you know in these times of covid it is it is being done remotely but then typically it will be on site wherever you are located uh, there is a specific way of managing audit as i mentioned the key aspects that i have noticed from non security point of view are being disciplined in the audit uh, moderating your behavior your behavior the behavior of your infosec team ensuring that your communication is prompt so that if at all any changes are, are requested or necessary or 
or you need to adapt to the audit itself then you are able to ensure that your your team and your audit team they are all able to do that you also uh, have the ability to manage the audit plan and the audit tracking you have got to do one important aspect that we talked about is note taking ensuring that you are expressing your seriousness towards focus on security rather than the certificate and then finally post audit activities which is um, in case of iso 27001 it is mandatory you're supposed to submit a corrective action plan in case of pci and soc it may be subjective dependent on what exactly happens in the audit if everything has gone well maybe nothing will be asked of you if things have not gone well then in that case additional documentation you may have to submit which finally results in your certification from being updated what exactly are the questions uh, as far as the have come up so one of the questions that i see is that how is auditing cost calculated i will only refer to the auditing aspect auditing cost i am not talking of the roadmap the roadmap has got its own needs uh, and expectations in terms of what are the processes you need to modify what are the additional people that you may require what are the security technologies that you may want to implement all of these have got the cost of their own but then so the audit itself the external audit itself comes at a cost no certifying body exists uh, or can manage to conduct an audit without uh, recovering that cost from someone and that cost is typically going to the organization that is getting audited itself so the way it works is the cost of audit varies dependent on the specific standard that you are choosing uh, iso will have its own amount pci will have its own amount soc will have its own amount among iso 27000 will have a different amount 27701 will have a different one to 2717 uh, will have a different and 27018 will have a different one different it these are you know some of the factors the other factors are how big is, is your organization the larger the organization the more likely is going to be the need for the audit and uh, as per the auditing standard uh, the duration of the audit is dependent on this factor as well which is how many people are there in the organization because it is indicative as to how much audit your organization needs to undergo if the number of days of audit for a 100 people organization versus a 10000 people organization is clearly going to be different and the cost will be different as well but then uh, usually what has been my observation is that uh, the cost of audit is is there is a baseline cost which is associated with organization that have got up to like 100 people if you are an organization that is less than 100 people then the baseline cost will apply to you because that is the bare minimum time that needs to be implemented anyway now this is for iso for pci the number of days of audit is way more so the cost is also way more uh, the usual factor of difference between iso audit and pci audit i have seen is between 5 times to 10 times the cost of of iso so if if iso cost x amount pci audit will for the same certifying body will cost you 5 to 10 times depends on again context and volume of data which particular level you are going for in pci soc is entirely dependent on the specific cpa that you uh, seek to to obtain from your like you know from the soc to report that you intend to obtain from the specific cpa it will be dependent on that uh, other than these factors also uh one other aspect that i have seen has got an impact on the auditing cost is the specific certifying bodies because at the end of the day these are for profit organizations so they have got their own pricing dependent on various factors like what kind of um brand reputation do they command how good they are in terms of their you know managing of their operations how how efficient and effective they are how useful they are how how much value they bring to your organization as a certifying body how old they are because the older they are the more uh, you know, brand reputation they may have so this this also factors in my opinion is that please do not choose the cheapest ones the cheapest ones the fundamental problem that i have seen is that because of the direct correlation between the number of auditing hours the qualification of the auditor and the duration for which the auditors uh, are with you uh, this has got a direct impact on the quality of the audit that is conducted besides that once the reputation of a particular certifying body is affected you know in in the market in the sense that organizations or people come to know that okay you no know, these are auditors who do not follow entirely 
ethical or professional methods um what happens is that even if you obtain that certificate it will not be of much value i mean see the fact of the matter is that if you are conducting an audit for the sake of getting a certificate and that is your only objective then then you know i am not sure as to how exactly to i would respond to that but the fact of fact is that i would probably be discouraged from even associating you know an organization like numetric with such an organization because there is a lot of reputation and trust involved when it comes to um obtaining any kind of an infosec certification whether it is iso or tci or or soc does not matter and once this reputation is associated <laughs> whether it is with implementers like us or whether it is with certifying body um tomorrow if something goes wrong with your organization that reputation will or that that rather that brand image impact is likely to wash off on the implementers and the certifying body as well and because of this reason it is a good practice as an organization not to be too much concerned about auditing cost because even if the auditing cost is slightly higher you will be assured of the fact that they will do a good job of conducting the audit and a good audit is not likely to reduce your chances of getting the certificate so much as it will help you identify what are the real flaws in your organization that is something that you you want to know which you may not find out if you get a cheap audit done besides that brand reputation does matter the bigger the name of your certifying body the better for you because once you obtain their certification it means that you obtain certification from a reputed certifying body the best part about auditing cost is this it is not really much uh, in the context of your organization it actually will be very small now i am resisting from quoting an exact amount because of the fact that there are so many variables and so many factors that it is not easy for me to give you even a ballpark estimate um but then um you can easily run a search so the fact of the matter is that if you try to uh, run an internet search how much it costs you are highly unlikely to to be able to find it because of the reason that i mentioned earlier which is the variables are too many right but then it is not much okay next question is what qualifications licenses and external auditor should have okay external auditor will have the same qualifications and uh, certifications as i do at an individual level so for example i am cissp certified cisa cisa stands for certified information security auditor or i have cism then i am iso 27001 lead auditor lead auditor certified so i am actually qualified to be an auditor um similar kind of certifications are held by the external auditor but then there are specific uh certifications that the auditing firm has to obtain so like you know anab for example american national accreditation board is just one example of it and every major country has got its own accreditation board which is the body that is certified by iso to allow certifying bodies to be um to be certified so it's a long chain iso does not directly certify the certifying bodies iso will certify a parent body in the region that region is like anab anab and that body will then locally certify the certifying body the organization themselves right so it is a long chain and for a certifying body to continue being a certifying body they need to continue holding the certification and there are a lot of protocols a lot of mandates that the certifying bodies have to undergo themselves so to give you an example if they conduct 100 iso 27001 audits randomly five of those will be picked up five or more i'm just giving a, a guess number but then randomly some audits the records that they have created they will be picked up by the parent certifying body within the region and those uh documents will be audited the auditors who conducted the audit they will be audited whether they have followed the standard or not whether they have met the expectations of the parent body which is iso here similar principles are followed for pci pci it is even more stringent and more demanding so when it comes to pci again the ultimately the pci council which is the one certifying parent certifying body is the one that will be Uh, authorizing the individual certifying bodies who are permitted to give out pci certifications and uh, when it comes to pci the the demand you know the the 
mandates are much more stringent then when it comes to soc um, soc has got a mandate that only a cpa certified public assistant uh, sorry assist, uh, accountant uh, by aicpa they are the ones who are the only only people qualified and certified and authorized to sign off on a soc report so these you know there are a whole lot of certifications that both the individuals as well as the organizations have to have before they can become an external audit we as a numetric is a cybersecurity products and services organization so we when when it comes to this particular context we provide help in terms of implementation so we are not the we are not on the fence of on the same side of the fence as the certifying bodies they are we are on your side so effectively we will help uh, ensure that you know that entire roadmap that i spoke about is something that is implemented on in your organization all the functions are uh, subjected to whatever are the requirements of the specific standard that you are you are seeking for being certified in um, we ensure that the organization is ready for the audit we will we handle the audit itself on behalf of you for the very first time the expectation being that the second year onwards probably you will have your own security team and you will manage uh, both the security and the compliance function on your own but then the initial uh, first year we will be helping you obtain that and we then face the auditors themselves as the security function in parallel it also happens that if let's say you know you are undergoing any kind of a client audit or various other security activity which are which can be considered to be out of scope of the roadmap okay certification roadmap then we'll go ahead and handle that as well meaning kind of an you know we become a, your extended security function until you build your own security you know function internally so we handle those aspects um at the end of it you can imagine as if we are the implementers and the certifying bodies are the auditors so we are kind of the auditees that ultimately face the auditors with the very first time in your organization so that's it and if you feel like you need more help maybe you have got your own questions then you can reach out to us you can send a mail to secure@numetric.com uh, um you can also probably visit our website you will get you can get the phone number and you can call us up if at all you need any kind of help so having said that i want to wind up now i overshot the time for this workshop thank you all for your time Bye.